This week's parasha begins how uh, Yitzhak and Rivka are both praying to have children. It starts off by he Yitzhak ben Arbaim Shana Bekachto at Rivka. Yitzhak was 40 years old when he first took Rivka, Bat Petoel, and so on. The Isha has a wife. And Yitzhak. Yeah, the word Yatad means Hidbaba Hifsid. He insistently, constantly was praying. Tashem opposite his wife. What does it mean opposite his wife? Rashi explains Each one was standing in a different corner of the room praying, opposite each other. They were both praying <coughs> to have children. because she was barren. Hashem. And Hashem listened to his prayer. And Rivka, his wife, became pregnant. <coughs> this is the beginning. First of all, we see over here a constant theme in our Torah that the midwives seem all to be barren. The Imahot seem to be barren. And they're constantly praying. And there's a statement that says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu metaveh letefilatam shel sadikim. Hashem desires the prayers of the righteous. Hashem metaveh letefilatam shel sadikim. Hashem desires the prayers of the righteous. And that's why they were barren originally and they had to pray a very long time. <coughs> Here in this instance, for example, he was 60 when he gave birth to uh, Yitz- uh, Yaakov and Esav. And he was 40 when he started, we got married, so he's praying for 20 years. In the case of Abraham and Sarai, they're praying for until she was 90. And he was 99. And we have to understand this statement, which on the surface sounds really very cruel when you think into it. Hashem desires the prayers of the righteous. He has a ta'ava, desire to hear our prayers. And therefore he puts us through terrible ordeals. And we have to pray and plead before him. I mean, which parent would put their children through ordeals purposely that the children should start to cry to the parents? It doesn't. But we understand a very big concept, a very, very big principle constantly, that whenever we hear about Hashem desiring something, we always know automatically it's never for Himself. It's always for the benefit of men. There is nothing in the Torah, nothing that Hashem asks us ever that for himself per se. Hashem is perfect, needs nothing. Whatever he tells us to pray to him or praise him or to honor him, which all sound to be things of for himself, we have to understand that this is always for the benefit of men. And this is what's stated many times in the Pesukim when it talks about what Hashem wants from you. At the end it always says, what does Hashem want? Yisrael, ma Hashem shoel now, Israel, what does God ask from you? Only to fear Him, to love Him, to walk in His ways, to do the mitzvot, to do them all to your heart and soul. And it always ends off with letov lach. This is letov lach. This is for your benefit. This is for your talk. This is for your happiness. This is for your perfection. Nothing that God ever wants is for His own selfish reasons. God is not selfish in any way, and God only wants us to have uh, benefit, and therefore everything He does for us is and wants for us and desires is only for our benefit. 
So evidently, when it says that God desires the prayers of the righteous, it's not because God wants to hear them pray. God doesn't need to hear them pray. The whole purpose is that evidently the righteous will become more developed and more perfected through prayer. Prayer, the purpose of prayer is not really to uh, get something from God. That's a uh, byproduct of prayer, but that's not the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is to develop man. Through prayer, man becomes developed in so many different ways. Number one, he recognizes that there's a higher power, Hashem, that gives him everything. So he starts to acquire this feeling of Hakarat Hatov. He recognizes that the good that he has in his life comes from God. By praying to God, you start to feel that he's the only power. By praying to God, you start to develop yourself in humility because you realize that you need Hashem and you can't do everything by yourself. And anyone who says, anyone who says, it's my power, my strength that, can, that has done for me my uh, fortune, is only only forgetting God. And therefore, prayer reinforces constantly the fact that we are, in a sense, on our own helpless. We need the help of Hashem constantly. And this imbues us with the midah, the quality of humility, anava. Prayer brings us closer to Hashem. When you start to pray, you start to feel that there's somebody you could always turn to, unburden yourself to. Pasuk tells us, Shifchi kamayim libech, pour out your heart like water before me. Which means we unburden ourselves to God. We tell him our problems, we talk to him. He's our biggest therapist. He's the therapist that prayer really is. Talking to Hashem, venting to Hashem unloading all our problems. This is all part of the benefits of prayer. And prayer is such a benefit for men, for men's development, for men's perfection. It's such an important tool to perfect men in closest to God, in his mitot, in his ashkafot, in his attitudes, in, his, in every area of his life of perfection. Prayer is so important that God understands that it's worth it for people to go through stress, difficulties, suffering, in order to prompt us and be an incentive for us to pray, which is an amazing thought, to focus on us on the tremendous benefit of prayer. It's so important and so necessary, and evidently if we have everything and we lack nothing, the incentive to pray is much less, and therefore we lack this tremendous tool for our perfection, and therefore God holds us proper and worthy, and it's worth it to give us difficulties in order to prompt us to pray. Because prayer is going to develop us in ways that nothing else can. This is the first lesson that we learn. That Sadiqim, great Sadiqim, who had all types of merits, who had all types of greatness, yet constantly, constantly pray for the things that they lack. <coughs> because Hashem knows. Hashem desires their prayers. Why? Because Hashem desires their growth. Hashem desires their perfection. Hashem desires the benefit of man. And knowing that how much prayer is beneficial to man, he increases sometimes the pressures on man, the difficulties on man, in order to prompt him to pray. It's a, it's a thought that's really mind-boggling. Because when a person is going through problems, they can become overwhelming. And to know that the whole purpose of the problem, the whole purpose of it was to prompt us to pray, should focus us on how important is prayer. It's everything. And the purpose of prayer is a purpose unto itself. It's not to get what we need. 
it will produce that. But it's not, that's not the purpose of Because if that was the purpose, Hashem should just give us what we need, finish. The whole purpose of prayer is just to get what we need. So Hashem should make it that. He should give us what we need. Evidently, prayer is a, is a purpose independently from what, what we're going to get through prayer. Prayer itself develops us and perfects us in such a way that it's worth it for God to cause difficulties to man and give a man problems in order to be an incentive for him to pray. It's an amazing thing. And while we're thinking about prayer, I just want to elaborate a little bit on how important prayer is. We know in the beginning of the Torah, on the fourth day of creation, God commanded that there should be all growing things. Everything should be growing. Yet we find on the sixth day of creation, a pasuk that says the following. Let me see if I can find it quickly. This is in the book of Bereshit, in the beginning of the Torah. Every growing thing from the field, as of yet was not in the earth. Which means, everything was created on the fourth day, but it was all on the ground. It was under the ground, didn't sprout, didn't grow. And every uh, growing thing from the field, as of yet, did not grow. Why not? No growth. Fourth day they were commanded to grow, and yet they stayed under the ground. Why didn't they grow? Because Hashem did not bring rain on the earth. Why didn't Hashem bring rain? Because man did not exist yet to work the field. There are three statements made in this pasuk. Three different statements. Every growing thing, every herb, every tree, every plant, all grains... Nothing came up from the ground. It was all created on the fourth day of creation, yet it stayed underground. Why did it stay underground? Because Hashem did not bring rain yet. Well, we need rain to make the things grow. Why is there no rain? Because man did not exist yet to work the earth. What's the link between these three statements? No growth because no rain. No rain because no man. What's the link? Rashi. Rashi explains first. Call samach. Every herb, uh, thing growing, plant from the uh, field did not grow. on the third day of creation, rather, it says that that the earth produced all growing things. They didn't really go up. They were created but underground and they went up to the surface of the earth until the sixth day. Why? Because there was no rain. And what was the reason why there was no rain? Because the Pasuk says man didn't exist to work the earth. And there was no man to recognize the value of rain. And when man came and knew that rain is the need of the world, he prayed for them. And then the rain came down. 
and all the trees and all the plants and all the grains grew. There's an amazing statement here that, that we may miss. The Torah is telling us that Hashem created the world. And on the third day of creation, He created all the plants, all the growing things, all the trees, all the grains, everything that grows from the ground, all produce. Yet, it's created, but underground. Doesn't yet pierce the surface of the earth. Why not? No rain. Why no rain? Because nobody was around to pray for rain. Man wasn't created yet. Man who knows the value of things, knows the value of rain, wasn't here, and therefore there was no one to pray for rain. No prayer, no produce. But this is part of creation. This is an essential part of creation, to have things grow. We need things to grow to be able to eat. We need things to grow uh, to be able to provide uh, the chlorophyll in the trees to have photosynthesis, to get oxygen. This is part of creation. This is an essential part of creation. And yet, it won't happen unless you pray for it. To teach us, prayer is not merely when you have a problem, you pray. It's essential to bring the creation to its completion. It's essential to bring the world to its fulfillment. Nothing is going to happen in the complete way without man praying. That's how important prayer is part of the system of nature, so to speak. The natural things of the world can happen. The essential things of the world can happen unless we pray for them. That's how Hashem made the world. Prayer is an essential step in the process of completing creation. In fact, there's a famous madrash that uh, one of the philosophers, a Roman philosopher, asked Rabbi Akiva, whose deeds are greater, God's or man's? And Rabbi Akiva answered, man's deeds are greater than God's. And he was shocked a little bit. This uh, pious, ethical person is saying man is greater than God. But to prove it, he brought a beautiful cake and he brought raw wheat. And so which is greater? The wheat or the cake? The cake's better. Well, man made the cake. And the idea of that Madrash is to tell us that God made man an essential part of bringing the world towards completion. Everything God made is half-baked. The completion, the finishing, the perfection of everything comes through the hands of man. Not in every area, but in the area that man is a part of. There may be stars in creation that have nothing to do with man and have a purpose on their own, that man doesn't have a hand in it, that's something different. But anything that man has a part of, he is brought in to bring about the end baking, to finish the baking, to finish the cooking. The Madras is ascending by man by milah. Man was born uncircumcised, he needs a circumcision because everything needs tikkun, everything needs the hand of man to finish that's a very famous principle in the Torah that God gave for the honor of man a tremendous portion in the creation of the world, in the development of the world, in the perfection of the world. Ramchal has a book called Derech Higayon. Derech Higayon is a book on logic, absolute logic. It's a very interesting book, one of the books he wrote when he was younger. It has even Latin words in it, very interesting Latin words he uses, concession and different words he uses in the book. It's a book about thinking. And in the introduction to the book, he brings this madrash and explaining why 
It's so important for man to develop his mind. And he brings this Madrash that everything in creation, everything, needs man to finish it. Don't think that if it's God made, it's the best. If it's God made, it's a sign that is incomplete. God made is not the advantage here. I remember I once had a talk, a nutritionist once, a rabbi nutritionist, many years ago came to speak in Deal Shul. I was there with him, sitting next to him. And he's telling me about how the, I think the oats, yeah, the oats have to be cut steel, steel cut oats because it's more natural and doesn't interfere and less manufacturing. And all thing about telling me how man has very little to do with it. And that's why it's so great. And I said, well, if it's uh, only made from God, it's not good then. And he looked at me like, what are you? And I said, that's the Medrash. The Medrash in the several places points out that uh, we need men. God made the world in such a way that he didn't finish everything. He created it incomplete and he left it for man to complete it. And said, if it's God made and natural, evidently it's not good. And Ramchal, interestingly enough, gives a mashal of a wild forest growing compared to a cultivated orchid, orchard cultivated, fertilized orchard. He says, you can't compare in quality and quantity the type of fruits you're going to get from a field that was cultivated by men compared to a wild forest that's growing wild. Yeah, you'll have fruits, but they're inferior in quality. They're not that many. They don't look good. It's a wild forest. It was only made by God. If it's only made by God, it's incomplete. God made the world in such a way that he wants man to cultivate and perfect and develop and finish creation. Well, one of the things we're learning about man's part in the completion of creation is that his praying is an essential part of what man does to complete creation. And if you're right now thinking, well, there's a lot of things that we have in the world that we didn't pray for. A lot of things I have in my life I didn't pray for. There's answers for that. When, when a Sadiq prays, Hashem brings the rain for the Sadiq. You happen to be uh, living in the same town, so you get the rain too. Or, maybe you're being given things like animals are being fed. Why are animals being fed? They don't pray. So it says that if, if you're fed like an animal, that's not good for us. Because then it takes away our merits. In a sense, it's like a gift that we didn't earn. The way we earn is by praying for it. But whatever the reasons are, don't get dissuaded. Everything, even the essential things of life, even the things that are very important in life, that must be in life, like all the produce that grows from the ground. Even on the third day of creation, God commanded everything to grow. It didn't grow until man existed to pray for it. Open basuk in the Torah. No growth because there was no rain, because there was no man to pray. And we learn from here how essential prayer is to gain everything in our lives. The purpose of our prayer is not to gain things. That's the incentive that God is creating in us to f- push us to pray. The purpose of prayer is something totally independent from what we get from our prayer. The purpose of prayer is to develop us as human beings, to perfect us. To perfect us more in bitachon and in munah, in closeness to God, and what the proper values are, in humility. All of these things are products of prayer and many, many more. There's a whole book called Bet Elohim which goes into the benefits of prayer and it goes into many, many benefits that prayer gives a person. But suffice it to say that God made the world because of that in such a way that you can't get anything without prayer.
even things that come to you unfairly and you want God to take them away from you you need prayer we know the famous story of Abraham Avinu and Sarah wherever they traveled he would tell the people and tell Sarah please don't tell them you're my wife say you're my sister what was this done for? because otherwise there was a fear they would kill him to get his wife so therefore he said say you're my sister and this happens constantly with Parol, with later on with Abimelech <coughs> and Abimelech when he took Sarah thinking she's a single woman the sister of Abraham suddenly falls asleep when she comes into the room and in that sleep he has a dream from God, a vision from God and God tells him you're dead you're dead and he was afflicted with a disease that he's dying from you have a married woman in your room. And Abimelech answers, he told me it's his sister, she told me he's a brother, with the purity of my heart, with the innocence of my hands, I've done this. I, I thought I was taking a single girl. I, I did nothing wrong. And God said, I know that. That's why I made you fall asleep, that you shouldn't do anything wrong. But now return the lady because he's a great man and he will pray for you and then you will live and the odd part of that story is he's innocent, he thinks she's single, he takes her, he's a king he orders her to come to his room he immediately falls asleep, he has this vision from God God tells him you have a married woman in your room he says I, 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 I'm innocent I'm totally not guilty I thought you were single God said, I agree. I know you're pure. That's why I stopped you from doing anything. I know you're good. But you're going to die anyhow. You have to do two things to not die. Return the woman and he should pray for you. Question is, return the woman, I understand. He has to return the woman, otherwise he's now committing a sin. But why does he have to pray? It was total error. If he turns the woman, everything is good. He never touched her. He turns the woman. Why does he have to pray? for the sick man who's going to die because once there's a sickness and a problem Hashem made the world in such a way that even though it's totally not his fault totally he's innocent but there's a decree upon him to force him to be an incentive that he should turn to woman but once that decree is there it will not leave unless you pray this is what the words of the Torah it's amazing words when you think into it He's totally, he did nothing wrong. No, absolutely nothing wrong. And, 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 he has, and he's going to die because he has a married woman in. Okay, he'll return her. Not enough, he has to pray.
The last week is about Atu Yisrael. It says that he takes Salah into Vayishlach Abimelech Melech Gerard Vayikaket Salah. And he sends Abimelech, the king of Gerard, and he takes Salah. Vayavoy Elokim El Abimelech Pahalom Halayla. And God appears to Abimelech in the dream of night. Vayomelo, he says to him, Hinecha Met. You're dead. Al Ha'isha Ashed Lakachta. Vayibu Ulad Baal. You took a woman that is a married woman. Vavimelech lo kalabeleha. Vavimelech never came close to her. Vayomad, and he says to God, Adonai hagoi gam saditaro. You're going to kill a righteous person too? He tells God, you're going to kill a righteous person? Haluhu omad li achotihi. He said to me, she's my sister. Vihi gam hi amra achihu. She also said, he's his brother. Betom levavir. With the innocence of my heart, and with the cleanliness of my hands, I have done this. I also know, God says, I held you back from sinning to her. That's why I didn't let you touch her. And now, Hashev Eshet Haish. Now return the married woman, Kinavihu, because he's a prophet. He will pray for you and then you will live. If you don't do this, if you don't do it, you're going to die. All of you. Amazing thing. What did he have to pray for? He's innocent. It was a mistake. He's not going to keep her. He listens to God immediately. Doesn't matter. When there's a problem, God made the universe in such a way that the only way to deal and eliminate the problem is prayer. We have to sense that. We have to sense that every single thing we want, we should pray for. There's a pasuk in Mishleh that says, a famous pasuk that says, what's the sentence that everything is hanging on? What's the sentence in the Torah that all of... Gufet Torah, the essential parts of Torah, hang on. Bechol derachecha da'ehu. In all of your ways, bechol derachecha da'ehu, know him. Rabbi Yenach explains, what does that mean, know God in every one of your ways? Know him means pray to him. Bring God into every single one of your ways. Ben gadol, ben katan. Whether big or small. Everything. You're in Brooklyn, you need a parking space, pray. Even though it's a small thing. Don't worry about bothering God. Don't think it's a small thing, why should I pray for it? That's what God wants. Behold in every one of your ways. Which means every one of the situations you find yourself in, da'ehu, know God. Pray to Him. This is the sentence that the Torah says, Kol gufet Torah ba. All the principles of Torah hang on this one sentence. Which means prayer. Praying for everything, big and small, is the one thing that brings you to everything. We look at prayer as a situation that we need sometimes. We have a big problem, we have to pray. But that prayer, we need everything, daily. Things that we have, we have to pray for, yes. Things that you have to have to pray for, that you should maintain it. You have your help? You better pray that for Hashem and Because we have to maintain our health. Not guaranteed. Nothing is guaranteed. You have money, you have what to eat. Blessed this year.
I need panasa. You, you have. I don't know if I have tomorrow. Everything we have to pray for to maintain or to get. And while we're praying, we accrue the benefits of prayer. We start to become more recognizable that we need God. We start to develop our midot. We start to develop anava. We start to become closer to God. We start to have akaratatov and realize that the goodness of life only came from God. All of this are the benefits that prayer starts to produce in us. And God made the world away. Then Hashem says another important reason why we have to pray. Trying to explain why did God make it so part of the system. It's part of the system. Nothing happens without prayer. Nothing happens without prayer. Why did Hashem make it such an essential part of the creation of the world? That you, this is man's portion. This is how man finishes the product. You have to pray for it. And he gives a very interesting answer. He says, God made the world in such a way that we supposed to act as if it's a godless world in a certain way we're obligated to do hishtadlut hishtadlut means efforts on our own behalf as if it's up to us so we go to doctors we eat healthy we uh, exercise we use our intelligence to figure out how to raise our children as best we can while at the same time fully knowing that everything but everything that we're worried about and doing for is really up to the decrees of God. Ramban makes a statement at the end of Pinashat Bo. A person does not have a portion in the Torah of Moshe. Until he believes. Behold with all of our things, with all of our circumstances, Shukulam Nisim Olam Everything is a miracle. Everything we have is a miracle. It's all decreed from God. And if a person doesn't believe that, every one of our things, every one of our circumstances of life are everything is by the decree of the Elyon of the Almighty. If we believe that some things are just happening randomly. Some things are the way of the world. Or that we are the ones that are doing for ourselves, not God. All of this, he says, Adam A person has no chelik in Torah. Which means that everything, everything we do and everything we have is from Hashem. So why do we do Hishtadlut? That's God's will. That we act as if it's a godless world. So really we know that sickness comes from God and the cure comes from God. But we go to a doctor nonetheless. Not a regular doctor. The best doctor. Regular doctors know nothing. Small doctors know nothing. Big doctors know little. You see this over and over. Every once in a while I'm brought in on a case where you see such terrible mishandling when we do things by small doctors. So just we go to the best doctors. But we have to believe that the best doctor is doing nothing. We have to believe the best doctor is successful because God's blessing him. He's a tool in God's hands. And without Hashem, he can't do a thing. That's our belief. That's why we pray to Hashem. If you cure us, then we will be cured. <coughs> Only if you cure us. But we go to doctors and we do hishtadlut. And God has a reason for it. One of the reasons may be to hide God a little bit. So to create a test for us to have proper imunah. 
There are many other reasons given why we have to do a Shadlut. I'm not going to go into that whole subject because it's a big subject. But nonetheless, it's a fact. We know we have to do Hishtadlut, even though we have Imunah, that everything is really Me'et Hashem. But there's a tremendous danger in Hishtadlut. You start to forget God. When you have to do everything on your own, with your own intelligence, and you go to doctors, or you work, or you make money, or you, or you cook for your family, or you educate your kids, and you train them to act in a proper way, and, and you think that the reason why you have such good results is because you're doing pretty good, and forgetting God, and saying, You forget the emunah. Well, it's very easy to forget emunah if you're doing it, because really, Hishtalut belies our emunah. If we really had emunah, we wouldn't be doing. That, that's what the Gemara says. The Gemara says that I would think, Yachol, I would think that Adam Yoshevu Batel, that a person could sit and do nothing, and the Beracha would be mitkayemet. says, for example, Rosh Hashanah, it's decreed exactly how much money a person will earn that year. And the Gemara on that says, I would think that he could sit and do nothing all year. Therefore the Pasuk comes to teach us I bless you in what you're going to do Which means you have to do Okay, so we have to do But our emunah has to believe 100% it's all God But when you do You're acting as if it's you Or the doctor Or the other things that we rely upon To do our hishtadlut And therefore There's a tremendous Potential casualty in doing hishtadlut and that is to forget God. And therefore, the Dere Hashem writes, that's why the first thing you're supposed to do in the morning, before you start to do your daily Hishtadlut, is to pray. To set the foundation of the day, so to speak, and to lay the foundation that we really know it's all you, God. And therefore, I'm first asking you for everything. Give me knowledge. Give me understanding. Give me livelihood. Give me help. Cure me. Help me. Bless me. We're asking for all of our needs first to lay the foundation that we realize it's all from you. And now, hopefully, when we do Hishtadlut during the day, it shouldn't have this byproduct that it takes away emunah. Shouldn't have it. And therefore, by the way, there's a Chazal that says that. Uh, when a person goes through Shabbat, he makes Kiddush, and at the end of Shabbat, he makes Havdalah. It says there's a custom that you take a little bit of the wine, you dip it in the wine, that you put out the candle, and you put it in, the, in your eye. And this is based on the Medrash that Shabbat returns the eyesight of your eye to a certain degree. It says during the week you lose your eyesight a little bit. And when the Shabbat comes, it returns the eyesight. And to symbolize that concept, we take a little bit of the Hadalah wine, which is the last step of Shabbat, so to speak, and put it into our eyes. But the idea that you lose your eyesight, what does that mean? And the rabbis explain, you don't lose your physical eyesight. You lose your spiritual eyesight during the week. Because during the week, it's a week of Hishtadlut. The whole six days of, of the week we're working, we're doing, we're acting as if it's up to us, not up to God. And that can destroy your emunah, that can destroy your vision, your proper emunah, your proper ashkafah emunah. Come Shabbat, you do nothing. All of your work is done, finished. In fact, the Vilna Gaon says this is the hardest part of Shabbat. 
the mental attitude that one's supposed to have, kol melachtecha asuya, all of your work is finished, which means you're supposed to feel you have absolutely no problems. That's why it's interesting the Medinash says that on Shabbat we don't pray for our problems. That's the one thing we omit on Shabbat. Normally you have 18, 19 prayers. You have the first three and the last three. That's six that every prayer has. And then you have the middle 13 bikashot <coughs> that we have during the weekday. But on Shabbat you do not have 13 bikashot in the middle. You have one general paragraph, one bikashot in the middle. Hashem should want our peace and bless us with all is good and, and purify our hearts. A very general request. And the Medrash says, why do we omit in our prayers the 13 Bekashot, the 13 requests for our needs? He goes on Shabbat, you have no needs. On Shabbat, you're living with the Emet that God really is in charge. You really don't do anything anyhow. So you have nothing to do. He's going to take care of everything. And that's the mental attitude that we're supposed to have on Shabbat. When you light those candles, you think of no problems. All of your work is finished. Meaning, you work about taking care of your children, you work about yourself, you work whatever things that we are involved in. Worries on our heads, needs that we have. It's all done. On Shabbat, it says we're putting everything on God's shoulders and saying, this is now we know the real truth. We're not doing anything. No hishtadlut on Shabbat. And that's why we have a Shabbat. But the six days of the week, they do wear away our eyesight, our mental eyesight, our vision of emunah. It takes it away a little bit. It's normal. If you're acting as if there's no God, well, the, your emunah and God's going to become uh, lessened. It has to. Shabbat's supposed to restore it. Shabbat's supposed to restore it because on that day we don't do his Shabbat. On that day we don't work. We don't do anything. We act as if everything is me'et Hashem. So it restores our eyesight. And to symbolize that concept, we take a little bit of the wine and put it into our eyes. But the idea is, is that Shabbat restores it because we're losing it during the week. So the Derech Hashem says, one of the things we do during the week, not to lose it so much, and not to lose our imunah so much, is to start the day off by prayer. Set the foundation of the day that everything really comes from God. In order that when we start doing on our own, as if it's up to us and not up to God, we're reminded that this is just a mitzvah. You're supposed to do hishtadlut like a hawk. It's not supposed to make sense. Going to the doctor is not supposed to make sense. Because doctors don't cure us. So why do we go to the doctor? Hawk. It's like meat and milk. It's like shatnez. We don't really understand this so well, but we do it because God wills it. Not that he gave over to us the ability to do and he steps back. That's the mistake we think. We think is, yes, God runs the world, everything, but he wants us to do. And therefore he steps back and lets us do. That's not that's a mistake. No, he's still doing. It's an illusion that we're doing. It's an illusion that we're doing. It's an illusion that the doctor cures. It's an illusion that our business makes money. It's an illusion. The real truth is that God is curing us and giving us our parnasah and it was all decreed back on Rosh Hashanah. But it's a camouflage. The business is a camouflage. The doctor is a camouflage. Our hishtadlut is a camouflage. It's camouflaging the hand of God. So why do we do it then? Because it's a mitzvah. 
Yeah, but it doesn't make sense. Hulk. It's a mitzvah. Just like you do a lot of mitzvah, it don't make sense. It's a decree from God. That's how we're supposed to really approach Ishtadlut. It's irrational, but I have to... I don't, irrational doesn't mean it doesn't make sense. It means that I don't understand it, because God really determines everything. But I do it because that's the, it's a mitzvah. I do it because it's a mitzvah. That has to be our attitude. But it's very hard to have that attitude when you're doing... Because we get involved in the doing. And we're supposed to do it intelligently. And we're supposed to do it with effort. We're supposed to do it right. We're supposed to do it according to the natural ways. But when we do that, we'll be lying our emunah. So our emunah is a little bit becoming affected. And we're losing our eyesight. And therefore God says, pray. Prayer is the antidote. Prayer is the thing that hopefully reminds you reminds you that it's really all God. The Kuzari writes that prayer is similar to food and just like normal people need to eat three times a day, eat breakfast, it lasts until midday and then you need lunch as a booster shot and then you need uh, supper as another so too we need prayer three times a day. But he says it's not food for the body, it's food for the soul. That's what he says. What does he mean by food for the soul? And we can understand it in many ways, but one of the ways, simple ways, is that because by the time the morning reaches the afternoon, our emunah has whittled away. Because we're doing so much for ourselves that we start to forget everything. Everything is gizirat elyon. Everything is decreed from on high. Everything. Yet we act the opposite. We act as if it's up to us and how we do it and how intelligent we are in our choices and how we... So we need another shot. We need a booster shot midday. So you got to pray again. And by the evening you're, you're losing it again. So you need another booster shot. That's the way the Kuzuri writes that the soul needs tefillah three times a day like the goof needs food three times a day. Just like the body's energy starts to uh, dissipate and get less as the day goes on, and he burns up his energy, and he needs a new shot of energy, so too, the soul needs a new shot. But what does the soul need prayer for? Because the soul is becoming affected. And it's not merely our munah starts to decrease. Amidot start to grow. Because as we forget God is the center of our lives as we forget that and start to think we're the center of our lives we become more self-centered we start to gain bad midot, we start to have gaba we start to feel threatened by others that are interfering with our we get nervous from other people and suddenly we're insecure and this is in every area of the life I mean I use business and health as the easy ones to understand but it's in every area it's how good a parent you are how, how, how you socialize with friends. It's in every area. Every area is decreed by God. Every area is decreed by God, yet we're obligated to do Hishnadut. But prayer is the very thing that restores the energy of our soul. And that's what the Kuzuri writes when he says that just like food needs three times a day energy, replacing the energy that we're losing, the soul needs three times a day prayer to replace the emunah and the midot that we could be losing. That's what the Kuzuri writes. He writes that prayer should be the highlight of the day. The lev hayom, he writes. The heart of the day.
Because it's bringing us back to the emet. It's bringing us back to the truth. And as we said, there are different aspects of prayer. There's aspects of praising God. That's the beginning of our prayer. How we talk about how God loves us and is going to bring with love salvation to our lives. Because of his name, he's going to bring with love Goel, the Redeemer. What does it mean, because of his name, he's going to bring the Redeemer? What does that mean? And I mean, the Shem of Hashem represents the essence of God. The name represents the essence. The essence of God is Lehetiv, to do good. So God in his mercy, which was his whole essence, is to do good. With love, he's going to bring salvation to our problems. And one of the incentives that he's going to help us more than others is because because you don't remember the kind deeds of the forefathers. And we're the children, children of the, we're the descendants of the forefathers. And because it's amazing when you start to analyze the prayers how the essence of God is only to do good and we start to praise God and so on. That part of prayer reinforces us in the, in the love of Hashem has for us as His chosen people, as the children of the Avot, the people that stood before Him as the greatest people on earth. And we have a Zechut Avot and therefore we have a merit to be helped by God. And He's going to help us with love. And He's a Ozed and He's a, he's a Moshiach. What do we mean by those terms? Melech, who's Ozed, helps Moshiach, answers our cries, Magen, and the shield. There are three ways God helps. Ozed means you do a little, he does a little. He's doing everything, but he makes it like it's half and half. So you're working, and you're intelligent, or you're raising your children, and you're trying to be smart, and he helps you. Second one is you're not doing anything. You don't know what to do. But you cry out. And Moshiach. And he answers your cry. The word Moshiach comes from the word Shava. Shava means Shabbatam, to cry out to God. Moshiach means one who's answering the cries. We answer our Savior. It means he's answering our prayers. That's Moshiach. Moshiach means you're not doing anything. You don't know what to do. But you're praying only. What's my game? Again, it's even higher. You don't even know you're in trouble. You don't even know what to pray. But he's a shield blocking you from the arrows that are being aimed at you, and you're totally oblivious to these arrows because there's a big shield that is protecting you. And that's God in the highest sense, that even if you don't ask for help, he's there for you. And we learn from here the three ways of bitachon also. There's a, we have to wear hishtadlut, that's Hashem is the ozer. But we have to, at the end of the day, it's really all Hashem, so we only pray, and Hashem is the Moshiach answering our prayers. And the third way is to know that even when we're not praying, we're not, when we're unaware, and we're not aware of the impending dangers of things, or what we need, Hashem is there as a magen, as the shield. And we're learning all these beautiful things about God, that's one part of prayer, to know the properties of God, and how much He's helping us and there for us. Middle part of prayer is the bakashot. We're asking for our needs. And that's reinforcing a, a totally different part. It's reinforcing how we, the human being, is, 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 is so frail, and so fragile, and so helpless without God. We need God for everything. And we start off, You Hashem give, Honen means to give freely, without undeserved, undeservingly you give us knowledge, 
You give us sechel chonenu, please, Hashem, give us freely. Me'itecha from you, hochma, bina v'dat. Give us wisdom, give us understanding, give us knowledge. That means we're not only praying to become geniuses. We're praying to, to do the simple things of life. We're praying to be able to cross the street. We're praying to be able to function as, as, as normal Jews. As normal people, as normal human beings, to the basic. We're asking Hashem, we need, we need intelligence for everything, from the big to the small. Please, Hashem, give it to me, undeservedly. Then we pray for Torah. Once we have intelligence, now we want to pray how to live. And we start to pray for all our needs. Each one of these prayers reinforcing us on one, what's important, what should be our priorities, what should be values by us, and two, that we are helpless to obtain them and achieve them without asking for them. Second part of prayer. Third part of prayer. Modim, I thank you, Hashem. We have to thank Hashem. That's the Hakarat Hatov part. That's to see the goodness in your life. And the more you see the goodness in your life from Hashem, because you're thanking for and recognizing that what you have is from Hashem, and you recognize that there are miracles done for you Bechol Yom every day. On your miracles that are done and your wonders that are done every second of the day, you start to feel how much tov you're receiving from God. It engenders in you a love back. That really have someone taking care of you every second of the day and nursing you and helping you and protecting you in every way. All of these three parts give a different benefit that prayer has. To recognize God, first part, to ask things for all the different things we ask for, and then to thank Him. This is a formula of prayer, by the way. It says if you pray on your own without Damidah, use this formula. First pray, first praise God, and what you know about God, you God, you're our Father in Heaven, you love us unconditionally. Talk about that first, and then ask what you need from Him, and then thank Him for everything He's given you till now. And you thank Him for advance, too. Thank Him. This is the system by which God is telling us it's worth it to put people in difficult, stressful situations in order that, to be incentive that they should pray. Because the benefit that we're going to get, the perfection that we're going to get through prayer is unbelievable. And as an incentive for us, we have to focus ourselves on the Hazal that I brought down, that nothing will happen in creation without prayer. Even the creation itself cannot be completed. Even God's commandments, let the earth bring forth all growing things on the third day of creation. Yeah, it created all of them under the ground, but nothing's growing yet. Why no growth? Because no prayer, no rain. Why no rain? Because no man to pray for it. Amazing. Pasuk in the Torah, telling us how prayer is the essential part of creation. And even when we said something happens to us that's totally not our fault whatsoever, you still have to pray for it to be removed. Avimelech had to ask Abraham to pray for him to remove his sickness because otherwise, even though he was innocent and the sickness only came for him to make sure he knows he's with a married woman and to return her, nonetheless, be it palel, he has to pray for you. And one more point I just want to bring out. We know that Rachel also stopped a tremendous amount. Her, the other wives that Yaakov have were all having kids. La'ah and the maidservants of La'ah, the maidservants of Rachel, Bilhah, all having children. She's the only one. And finally the Pasuk says, Elohim et Rachel. And God remembers Rachel and 
Chazal tell us, what does he remember? He remembers her Zechuyot. She had a lot of Zechuyot. First of all, the Zechut, that she was the one that allowed Le'ah to get married to begin with, giving her over the codes and the simanim that <coughs> Yaakov Avinu made up with Rachel, that they shouldn't be uh, fooled, gave it over to Rachel. And later on, not having children, she gives her uh, midwife or her maidservant to Abraham to have children from Sarah did that with Hagar and, and then Rachel did that with her Milha that's his Echut that to show she, what, what wife brings the competition to the marriage Abraham brings Hagar into the marriage and who, who brought Hagar to Abraham Sarah and who brought Milha to Yaakov Rachel why Maybe I can be built up through her. What does that mean? I can be built up through her. By her having children through you, maybe that's the to show Hashem that I, I, the value of Yaakov's children in the world is the most important thing. I'm not interested in my own personal difficulties I'm going to have now with a, a competition. Another lady, in my, another wife. That's the chut also. So Hashem remembers, it says, by Yitzchot Elohim, and he remembers also the Zechut that she gave up the night. She wanted to be, she, Yaakov was always with her. She was at Kenneth Tabai. Yaakov always was in the main bedroom. His bed was always with Rachel. And the other wives were just infrequently. So, we know that Reuven collected some uh, types of mandrakes, they say, Udaim, that were fertility uh, plants. And Leah had them. So Rachel went to her sister Leah and she said, Give me the fertility plants and I'll give you Yaakov tonight. Which was a big thing, you give away your husband. And she did it. That night Yisachar was conceived from Leah, from Yaakov. Was all, but Hashem remembers that Zechut too. And it says, All the Zechuyot that Rachel did, he remembered. And then by Yishma Eleha. And he listened to her prayer. And then she gave, became pregnant with Yosef. The question is, if she had all these zechuyot, so why did she have to pray? Because that's the principle we're learning. Prayer is a necessary thing that man has to do to complete creation, to complete the will of God. Even if it's the will of God, and God has all the reasons in the world to help Rachel. All her merits. And he's remembering those merits. He's remembering those merits. Then he has to listen to her prayer. And then he, she becomes pregnant. To teach us that everything comes through prayer, even when you have the merits to earn them. And there's a Chazal that speaks about Moshe Rabbeinu. That Moshe Rabbeinu, even though he was the Baal HaTorah, he was the biggest Torah person in the world. And the biggest person who did such good deeds in his life. He saved the Jewish people and he did so many things for the Jewish people for 40 years. He literally carried them like a, like a man carries his baby, Chazal say. Yet, he was not answered only through prayer. So, Chazal. Prayer is essential to be answered despite how great you are, despite your merits, despite everything, but you got to ask for it. This is thoughts that we must keep in our minds. I have to ask for the things I need. I know one time I was, when I started to have my uh, legs hurting me, so one of the rabbis mentioned to me, did you pray for it? Did you pray that your legs should be strong? I don't know. I, don't, I didn't remember if I ever prayed for my legs. 
You know, you, I'm, 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 doing, I'm jogging, I'm do, do, trying to do different things, build the muscles around them. Did you pray for it? You've got to pray for everything. Everything. This is the beginning of Apir Hashem. 20 years. For 20 years, he's increasing and continually, insistently praying without stop for 20 years. Each one standing in a different part of the room praying opposite each other, praying for what they need. Yes, Paulette. Nabihu, you got a big sickness. Sometimes you need a Nabi to pray for you. So it says, sometimes you need a Nabi to pray for you. The Gemara says, Maya Adam. And what does the person do if he has a chole betoch betor? If he has a sick person in his house, Yelech etzel hacham. He should go to hacham umipalelav and to pray for him. Sometimes you want a hacham to pray for you. Yes, we know we're supposed to pray for ourselves too, but you, you want to make sure, go to Bid Hacham. As Pasuk says, open Pasuk. What should a person do with a sick person in his home? Yelech Etzel Hacham Go to Hacham and let him pray for you. By the way, it doesn't say Yelech to a Sadiq. Go to Hacham. You know who's the real Sadiq? The Tabir Hacham. The person really knows Torah. That's the Sadiq you want to pray for you. Yeah, what else? Yeah, when that's we're not going to when Hashem's going to answer our prayers. We don't know that. Sometimes there's a medrash on that too. Medrash says sometimes the person prays before you pray is already answered. Like in the case of Eliezer this week, last week Eliezer started to pray for a girl for Isaac, the Yitzhak. It says before he started to finish his prayer, the girl was already walking out. The girl was already there, ready. Sometimes your prayers are answered immediately. Sometimes you're not answered until after many days. Sometimes you're not answered after many years, it says. We don't know when our prayers will be answered. But number one, know that the value of prayer is not so much to get answered. It's our incentive why we pray. The value of prayer is because prayer has its own value. Number two, know that all prayers will be answered, but we don't know how and when. We don't know how and when. God's deep. It's not easy. And sometimes you're praying for something, and those prayers are being answered, but in a different way than you thought. Not in a simple way. And sometimes you're not answered right away either. Sometimes, like these people. Why did they have to pray so long? Because Hashem is mitabir. He, he wants them. Well, geez, Hashem desires their perfection and knows that they're going to be more perfection to be attained and achieved. They, they can perfect themselves more with prayer. So he waits. That happens sometimes. Many times when the Chazonish, great rabbi, worked on certain things to try to help the Jewish people in different ways, decrees against uh, Judaism that were taking place in Israel, and he was working on something. First, they wanted to draft women into the army, which he felt was a tremendous danger for the women. They're going to lose their, they're going to, they're going to lose their morality. In fact, Ben-Gurion, when he originally proposed it, said openly, this is done to boost the morality of the boys. I mean, it was, it was clear. Bringing girls into the army wasn't because they needed girls so much. It was the boys needed the girls. Anyhow, Hazanish is working very hard to stop it. And he's doing all types of political efforts and so on. Politicians are coming to him. He, was, he met with Ben-Gurion about this issue. 
And at one point, he thought he had accomplished something, and then there was a big delay, and it got worse. So they came to him and told him, he said, no, Hashem wants us to pray more. That's what he wants. Hashem, why are we not being answered? Hashem wants more prayer. We need to pray more. Hashem wants us to pray more sometimes. So sometimes when I pray, I answer right away. It's, don't take it, I'm giving up. Take it the opposite way. Hashem wants more prayer. I mean, I need more prayer to develop me more. That's how we have to look at it. As hard as it is. You know, when a person is going through a difficulty, it's very easy for me to give a lecture on this. From Chazal, you go through a difficulty, it's not easy. Not easy, but that's our emunah. That's our bitachon b'ashem. What else? What other questions? Yes. What she's saying is one of the things I teach in the old schools of how does prayer work? Because if a decree is a decree, how does suddenly praying for it make it different? One of the answers they give, which needs a lot of iyunon, I'm not accepting it so much, but I know what they say, is that when you pray, you become a better person, a different person, now the decree doesn't apply to you. So she's saying, based on that concept, which I'm not agreeing to that so much, even though it's written a lot, but I'm not agreeing that that's the way prayer works, but based on that hanacha, that uh, assumption, that the way prayer, one of the ways prayer works is that it makes you into a better person, and that's how you remove the decree, so how does somebody else's prayer help for you? Is that your question? Yeah, I felt the right I said that the person... I, yeah, I'm... Right, right. I know, no, I know this is what they teach, I know. I, I'm aware of it all, but it's much more complicated than that. Much more complicated, and we do know that Chazal tell us that the prayer of somebody helps with somebody else, not only in the areas that don't apply to free will, but even in areas that apply to free will. For example, I'm going to pray for that person's Teshubah. That person is, he, he, he not Shomer Shabbat, eats out, uncle Shafur, totally not Shomer Torah Mitzvot. I'm going to pray for him to make Teshubah. Gemara says it works. Now how does my prayer for his spirituality, which should be dependent on his own choices, God never forces a person's heart to change. Don't we learn all the time that free will is that in the area of spirituality, we say, everything is in the hands of it except one thing, the fear of heaven, which means that's your own free will. God will never force your heart to go one way or the other. That's your choice. The spiritual choice of your life are your choices. So how does my prayer help your spiritual choices? But they do. It's the Gemara. So therefore, we learn that the Chazinish has a whole answer, which will answer your question too, by saying that all Jews are number one connected. And since the first prayer, the first person, I pray for that guy. And I'm acting from free will. So since I'm acting from free will, and I pray that his heart should be changed to make Teshuvah, God considers my free will for him, and it helps. Which is a very deep subject. That's why I don't want to take it as simplistic as merely the way we're putting it, you know, now. That prayer helps because you become a different person. And if I had someone else's prayer ever work for somebody else? That's your question. But we know it does, and we see all the time in the Torah. Go to Abraham the Palel. He'll pray for you. He has to pray for you. He's the Navi. And therefore he prayed for you. He's the great man. So we know that going to Hacham to pray for you is definitely Inyan. Although praying for yourself is also a big Inyan. That we learn from Ishmael. That Hashem heard the call Hanar. 
when they were, he was sick, dying from dehydration in the desert, and Hashem suddenly made the welcome. Hashem listened to the voice of the boy, and not the mother, the boy. And Rashi over there says, we learn from here, that the sick person should pray for himself. And yet we learn that the Quran says, if you have a sick person in your house, go to Hacham and pray for him. So it seems to be a contradiction. The answer is, the sick person should pray for himself. That's what God wants. <coughs> but also, we go to Hacham also <coughs> to pray for us. We go to Sadiq you understand? So how are you going to understand it all together is deep. It's not as simple as they make it in school. It's not. Much deeper. That's why I said I'm not agreeing to everything. Because I know this is the, you know, the regular stuff they teach, but to understand really how prayer works is much, much deeper. I could pray for somebody else's spirituality and it works. And that's the famous Gemara <coughs> about Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir lived in a neighborhood where there were certain people who were torturing him. His making life is miserable. They were bad people. Badiyonim they were called. Badiyonim are like a rebellious gang of young people, rebellious ones. So he started to pray that God should remove them from the world. And his wife <coughs> heard him pray and said to him, Why are you praying that they should die? Pray that they should make Teshubah. So he did. He prayed that they should make Teshubah until they became Sadiqim. And they became good people. To teach us that one person could pray for another person's spirituality, even though spirituality should be the way we understand life in the hands of the person's own free will. And yet you could pray for it and suddenly they don't have free will and God is make, changing their heart because of your prayer. But the Chazanish tries to explain it that since your prayer starts with free will and we're all connected, so your free will helps for him somehow. It's a deep thought. But bottom line, we know that to be true. That we can pray for other people, we should pray for other people, and even their spirituality we can pray for. Okay? What else? Uh, was Sam Levinson said his father was into formal prayer. His mother always spoke to God all day long. The kids got the measles, enough of the measles, God. And please, God, don't let there be a strife. She was constantly talking, but the father was formal. And the mother's prayers probably the ones that work. Very good. Who's Sam Levinson? <laughs> Different age. You know, Sam Levinson, he was a teacher turned comedian. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I'm, I'm that old too, I remember. <laughs> yep. I remember the book All for the Boss. You know the book All for the Boss? One of the things that impressed me so much with that book was how he talked to the boss. He walked, he had a special room, what he called his room that he consults with the boss. Whenever he had a kind of a problem, he said, I have to go consult with the boss. He goes into the room, closes the door and pray. And he come out always feeling he had an answer. And I was so impressed with his personal relationship with God. It wasn't like, uh, like you're describing uh, Sam Levinson's mother. She spoke to God all day long. He had a pr that's why I was impressed with all He It wasn't that he's praying because of the mitzvah to pray. He was praying because he had a relationship with God, personal relationship with God. Therefore, and he called him the boss. And I was all like, let's consult with the boss. God went to the office and talked to him. And that type of prayer is what we're all looking for, hopefully. What else? Yes? Saying we shouldn't pray for big, big things, any little things. 
No, we should pray for big, big things. Certainly, certainly, we should pray for big, big things. Even the small little things we should pray for. Don't worry about wasting. God wants you to talk to him all day long. Sam Levin's his mother. All day long. Yes, I like the way he put it. All day long. Yes. What? No, 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 no. I said, when you usher in the Shabbat, when you're lighting the candles, you're supposed to feel I have no more problems. You can pray as much as you want before, when you light the candles, but then when the Shabbat comes, you're supposed to feel I have no more problems. You understand? You're supposed to have that attitude that everything is taken care of. That's a, and that, the building of our own rights is the most difficult part of keeping Shabbat. Yes. That's another thing they teach in the schools. <laughs> it could all be true. It could all be true, but I have to tell you, it's much deeper than that. It's much deeper than that. It's not just to alleviate the pain of the sadiq who feels your pain, and therefore you're going to be answered. It's much deeper than that. These are answers given. I know these answers are given to, you know, kids in learning in Bet Yaakov and so on. I know they're the regular ones, but it's much more deeper than merely that. And therefore, I don't like to so much dwell so much on that because then we have a question and this, and we get all confused. No, prayer works, and it's essential. Essential. It's part of creation. It's creation, even the most essential rain, which is part of the creation to be able to grow things, cannot work unless there's a man, Adam Ayin, if there's no man to pray, no tiki, no laundry. When Adam said, Hashem, don't eat from the tree, there was trees, there was things. How did that come to be? What are you asking? He had, I thought nothing yet. When he was first created, there was, he prayed already, and that's how No, 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 no. This pasuk is on Yom Shishi. This pasuk I read. It's the sixth day of creation. This is the introduction to the creation of man. Every growing thing as if yet was not in the land. And every growing thing again from the field as if yet did not grow. Because God did not bring the rain yet on the earth. Because man wasn't to work the earth, which she explains. What's the link between these three parts? Growth, no rain, no growth, no rain, no man. He says because there was no man to recognize the importance of rain to pray for it, therefore there was no rain, therefore there was no growth. Okay? This is the Ed Alim and Ardis, and suddenly a cloud starts to come up. From the earth, and, and watered the field. And now man, God created man. So this is the prelude to the first part, the introduction to the creation of man. The test of man in Gan Eden, where the trees and all that is after. Okay? This is all pre-man. This is the sixth day of creation, I call it this pasuk. So all this that happened on the seventh day, prayed for rain, trees. Sixth day, not seventh day. Sixth day, after he was created. Everything that happened was one hour. The whole story of Gan Eden and his falling and sin and so on was one hour, last hour before Shabbat. Friday afternoon, one hour before Shabbat. Now, we understand we're talking about very spiritual things here. For example, you just said, Gan Eden, all trees around. 
Ramchal in his book Datsumarot writes, Gaden is the place that we go today after we die. Same place. It's only souls there. So what do you mean there were trees there? So he says, Even though the Pasuk is never taken out of its literal meaning, the Torah says there were trees, there were trees, but the nature of those trees is a spiritual one. They're not our trees. They weren't the trees that we see today. They were spiritual trees. Everything was all... God is a tremendously spiritual world, and Adam had he shown before his sin was also very spiritual. Just one ray of light that came out of his ankle, which is considered the least important part of his body, lit up the entire world from one end to the other end. Now, do we understand that? A person's light emanating from his body lights up the entire world. So we're talking about very spiritual things in a very spiritual dimension. Yes, it says there's trees, there's trees, but they're not our trees. They're spiritual trees of a totally different dimension. So know that Gan Eden... That's what Paul writes. Know that Gan Eden that we talk about as a place, a garden and his trees, is not the simple story like they make in the movies where a guy walking around the jungle. It's, it's, it's very high spiritual stuff. So when we say that the whole test was one hour, know that, yeah, because in spiritual things, things happen totally different times and different dimensions. You know what I mean? What else? You know, it's funny, I was coming here and I'm listening to a tape from almost 30 years ago. And who's talking on the tape? Your mother. <laughs> and I'm hearing, you got to hear the tape. And I hear a voice saying, Rabbi, I don't understand, this is a question. How can Abraham, this is a question she asked a few weeks ago. How can Abraham Avinu let his wife, that she should tell everyone she's single? Who does that, Rabbi? <laughs> That was her question, and I gave a very long answer. But I just heard on the tape coming here. <laughs> Your mother answered the question. Wow. There was a whole. I don't understand. How can Abraham Abinu tell everyone she's her sister? So, what does that mean? That means he's giving away his wife. Who does that? <laughs> you know, it was a great question, a great answer. But that's another class. What else? 30 years ago, almost. Almost 30 years ago. 28 years ago. I think 1990, something like that. 28 years ago. Yes? The government has said in other classes that we shouldn't pray for the small things, we should only be praying for the big things, besides parking spots in Brooklyn. No, 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 no. Parking in Brooklyn is the example, not the, not the exception. I never said you should not pray for small things. Well, what I say, stop, 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 stop. What I say? No, no, no. You should pray for everything. But, but, I'm saying, I spoke, of, you, then you call him Rosh Hashanah class. Arosha, around that time, I was saying, Rosh Hashanah, when you have, you, you're not going to pray for everything in the world. I say, make sure you have your priorities clear. Pray for the really important things on Rosh Hashanah. You understand? But, the Chazal I'm calling you today is in general, like Sam Levinson's mother said, talk to God all day long about everything. Good. So I'm just resolving the contradiction. When you're standing in the Amidah, you only have certain things to pray for. Pick your priority. Don't pray for, for cake when you want to pray for uh, uh, your children. You understand? What else? Yeah. Maybe, if, maybe he, no, maybe the decree was so strong that he needed Abraham Avinu, who was the aggrieved party, to be able to pray for him. 
and also the Navi. Right? Okay. And the, yes. And then change the station. At the time, yes, but then change the station. As the Shabbat descends and it gets darker, change the station. I have no more problems. What? Right. I said pray and then change it. But you're accepting Shabbat. After you finish praying, you're accepting the Shabbat, change the station. Right? Okay, end of class.